Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins is brought to you by James H. Brown and Associates, Alberta's precedent-setting injury lawyers. Rangers beat the Flames 2-0. Devils beat the Kraken 3-1. The Flyers lead the Coyotes 4-3 with 8.44 left in the third. Later, it's the Wild and the Golden Knights as we update the scoreboard. For Cougar Paint and Collision, our family helping your family for 40 years in the NBA tonight, the Raptors trailing the Spurs 114-87 halfway through the fourth quarter. If you were listening to Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer earlier, then you heard the update on Philip Broberg, Oilers defenseman in the minors with the Condors. He's going to be out 7 to 10 days with an injury. Tomorrow, Oilers and Red Wings at Rogers Place. It's on 6.30. Chad, face-off show at 5.30, game at 7. Sam Gagne is going to play. Here's head coach Chris Knobloch. Well, we're looking for more offense in our bottom six, and we can't rely on our top two lines scoring all the time, and as good as they are, and they are very good, we need some a little more offense from the bottom guys, and Sam has been so good, and he hasn't quite had a role, you know, with getting Perry here, and the way the penalty kill's been going kind of pushed him out of having a role. But that sacrificed our 5-on-5 our five five play a little bit. And Sam has been a great hockey player for us. And now we'll have him come back, and I think he'll add a little bit in that uh, dimension. All right, so Gagne in. Looks like Yanmark will come out of the lineup. He joins us every week on Inside Sports, presented by Sentinel Storage, Shop Canadian, Store Canadian. Head to sentinelstorage.ca. Former goaltender, now a broadcaster with the NHL on Rogers. It is Kelly Rudy. Kelly, welcome back to the show. How are you doing? I'm doing really well, Reed, and yourself? I am doing very well. I am doing very well. Thanks for checking in today. Hey, Super Bowl. I know you always watch all the big games so I, I, I gotta admit like not that i don't appreciate good defense but the first half i was a little bit thinking is this going to be like another 13-3 game we saw a few years ago but it, in the end it was quite thrilling it was fantastic i you know what we had the same conversation because we had uh all the kids the grandkids son-in-laws everybody over and uh at, at halftime, I was the one, though, that made the comment, even though there wasn't very much scoring. I was like, this is still a really exciting game. And we, somebody then made the comment, hopefully there's a little more scoring in the second half, of which there was. It was a, it was just a tremendous game. Um, I even had, even though everybody was here, I even had a chance to really uh, dig my uh, uh, teeth into that one and really watch it uh, a ton. So it was a fantastic night. The thing that I enjoyed was seeing a great player prove his greatness once again. And I know this is no consolation to the San Francisco fans or to the 49ers. Not that they don't have great players like McCaffrey and some of those guys. But but when when we talk about greatness, it's often offensive players who get that label. And sure, it's great to go out and get 
five points or five touchdowns against the weaker teams, but the, but the great guys prove it in those moments, right? Like Brady did. Like, I mean, the chiefs have been behind in all three super bowls. They've won with Mahomes, and they've been the team that figured it out. And I just thought seeing him on that final drive. I mean, that's one that's going to be remembered for him. It was a study in patience, the, the importance of patience, wasn't it? So I was thinking the same thing uh, at some point uh, they were still at three points the uh, the Chiefs and I was wondering hmm a big game like this will Andy Reid show some impatience will they start throwing the long ball uh, would Mahomes uh, maybe start to look a little bit frustrated you know San Fran's defense was really good at uh, not allowing him to run and and things and 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 the truth of the matter is that's when he really excelled that was that was just a a uh, fantastic performance, as you mentioned, by one of the truly greats, and uh, he deserves everything that's coming his way. Yeah, fun game for sure. Okay, well, let's uh, – I don't know where to start with you with the hockey stuff, Kelly. Um, sure. <laughs> let, let's start with the, the Ridley, Greg, and Morgan Riley okay. play. Um, Rob and I talked a little bit about it after the game. We got a couple callers commenting on it as well, and – you know, Rob basically said he didn't have a problem with what Greg did. And I said, mm-hmm. I, I didn't either. But to me, he knew he was doing something unusual. Rob disagreed. He says he's seen empty netters scored that way before. I said, okay, I feel like it's kind of unusual. So before we get to Riley's reaction to it, yeah. just what Greg did, even if the Leafs would have done nothing, is that breaking some sort of unwritten rule about how you score an empty net goal. I feel that sounds almost like a stupid question to ask, but I think you know what I'm getting at. No, no, it's not a stupid question. I've been thinking most of the day about this because I knew at some point this week, whether I was chatting with you or others, uh, this conversation would uh, we'd have. And so here's, uh, you know, it, it happens quickly. So I didn't really have enough time on Saturday to uh, go into some of my, my thoughts, but I will share with you today. So, Okay, we saw the incident with Greg scoring on the empty net. Then we saw Morgan Riley, and then we had a few minutes to chat about it on Saturday. But our our staff in the truck, the production people in the video department, came up and they showed us a video um, while we're having this chat on air, which was brilliant. So it sort of painted the picture why uh, Ridley Greg did this. So with about three minutes left in the game, in front of the Toronto net, Jake McCabe went after Greg, and it it appeared as though he had made contact high. I can't remember from the video because we only saw it once if it was a high stick or an elbow. But anyways, there was contact, and and so that that sets the table for what happened now with Greg on an empty net. So now he's angry. He's going to send a message. He's got. He's in his own building, and there's probably it's half full of Leaf fans. So he's probably mad about that. He's got a lot of stuff going on him. They're gonna for the first time, and I think five or six years, maybe longer. They're gonna win this uh, battle of Ontario. There's a lot of things going on. He's a he's an instigator type player, anyways. He's in your face a lot. He's really good, by the way. So he does this, and I'm thinking to myself. It's a young person's game. What do I care? What, you know, young. If that were the case, then we would have been up in arms about the Michigan Michigan goal. Now we compliment it, right? It's 
it's a game played by people in their early 20s and they do things differently and that's their code they're not living by the code of the philadelphia flyers from the 70s the broad street bullies because that code was different than the code that i played in in the 80s and the code that was used or we thought of in the 90s was different than the nhl that i played in in the 80s so it's always changing it's not what old guys like me think the code is it's the code is what they decide in today's game and so that was very important uh in this discussion to have because it's ever evolving and and there'll be something new that didn't happen uh five years ago that'll happen in the next two weeks or in six months and and that is the evolving code so i have no problem with that what morgan riley did that's more old school i don't really have a problem with that other than you can't cross check a guy in the head that's I know I know the intent was to hit him in the shoulder, but it did ride up. And so, uh, as we know, he's going to have a hearing on Tuesday. Typically, and I heard, I didn't know this, but Elliot Friedman said uh, when there's been an in-person heating or meeting, the there was one six-game suspension that was reduced to four, and there was one uh, suspension that was five games. Everything has been six games or more for an in-person uh, meeting so that's most likely what's going to happen to morgan riley and unfortunately he, he hit him in the head so there's consequences to it and i believe you said on tv that you thought it should did you say six or seven or five or six you said a lot i think i said five or six yeah and i oh by the way i did mention and this was on purpose as well i did mention the, how much time was left on the clock and i know kevin disagreed with me he, he thinks that's irrelevant but i don't because um with rasmus anderson there was a two goal lead by columbus and there was three seconds left on the clock when he hit patrick lining that's important to me because it's not a hockey play because the game is over you know even though there's three seconds on the clock effectively the game is over same on saturday there's five seconds left it's a two goal lead the game uh, in essence is over and so that's why i really think it's important time on the clock is a factor as well uh yeah and it, it's uh well i i like how you lay it out and it's it's an interesting one to debate but the bottom line is like you said there was a very high cross check and, and i don't think that that they're yeah. gonna look the other way on that regardless of of what led to it okay kelly rudy joining us tonight on inside sports and then the oilers played couldn't score against la I didn't think they were terrible, but I thought L.A. played a desperate game. New coach coming out of the bye week, yeah. three wins in their last 17 games. I thought Riddick was good. I thought the line of Perry, Dreisaitl, and Kane was good, just couldn't score. Do you look yep. at 4 nothing and say, oh, that's such a horrible score, that's a stinker, or do you think it was a little – the Oilers were more involved than the score suggested? I thought the latter. I thought they're more involved than the score uh, suggested. If you just opened up the NHL app the next day and saw the score at 4 nothing, you'd go, oh, it must not have been a very good game by the Oilers. And, uh, you know, I thought, as you mentioned, David Riddick was excellent. He's, he's trying to resurrect an NHL career. So for the same reason the Kings uh, were more focused because they have a brand-new coach, Jim Hiller, a guy that I played with in L.A., real good hockey mind student of the game they knew you knew they were going to be much better and for the same reason david riddick is trying to save a career right he's you know he played uh, 16 games this year in ontario in the american hockey league i saw him 
uh, on the 23rd of December. That was the last uh, game before Christmas, the Christmas break, break for both the Kings and the Flames, and it was in L.A., and I had a nice chat with him, and he said, Kelly, it was so important for me to play some games in the minors because I just haven't played much in the last uh, three years. And so he got a, a good break there where 16 games in two months, and I thought Corey Perry was really good. He does what he does, right? He was around the net a bunch. Um, he had some chances. He's going to be a good addition for the Oilers uh, in the playoff run. Well, and it was interesting seeing him knock the stick out of Gibson's hands in Anaheim. Right, and you could tell. And I mean, you probably had guys do that to you. But if the whistle doesn't go, you like you got to keep playing, right? I think Gibson. Yes. I know he was set when Kane took the shot, but he was spent a few seconds motioning and talking to the ref first. Yeah, well, for sure, and it would bug you even more because they were teammates at one point, right? Right. So that would really bug you. <laughs> If you're Gibson. So that that would have seemed like that's a little bit over the top for me. I would have taken exception to that as well. Okay. Well, uh, Oilers coming up against Detroit tomorrow, so we'll see if they can uh, get back in the win column. Kelly, what's yes. ahead for you this week? I've got an easy week. Uh, tonight I'm just going to watch a Flames game uh, in New York City, and then I don't work until Thursday. Uh, San Jose is visiting the Flames, and then I leave again, of course, on Friday for Hockey Night Saturday, and then I have two games next week, and then I'm taking the following Saturday off. So I'm going to do a little bit of uh, Kelly and Donna time next week. Okay. Well, that sounds amazing. Kelly, thanks for this. Always enjoy it. Have a great week, my friend. Okay, thanks, Reed. Take care. Right on. Kelly Rudy checking in, presented by Sentinel Storage. Shop Canadian, store Canadian. Head to sentinelstorage.ca. All right. Yeah, good discussion there. We'll see what Morgan Riley gets. Probably six games, I would I would guess, when that suspension comes down tomorrow. We got a big, big international football event coming up in Edmonton. Tell you about it next. Inside Sports on Chet. Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins is brought to you by James H. Brown and Associates, Alberta injury lawyers. Go to jameshbrown.com. Talked to James Brown from James H. Brown earlier today on the afternoon show with Brynn. Of course, Trent was at the Super Bowl in Vegas. We got a big football event coming up in Edmonton. It is going to be in in the summer. It'll be in late June, but it is a big one. It's basically the World Junior Tournament for football it's uh it's four down football so we're going to do some modifications here but it's it's uh it's never been in canada before though canada has won three of the previous five events that have been held there was a, a news conference at commonwealth stadium today and our morley scott talked with the executive director of football alberta tim anger uh, so it's it's a first for Edmonton. It's a first for Canada, really, to have this event. Yeah, I mean, Canada was uh, Canada's always been a strong participant, but there's always been that one little hiccup that uh, there may be 75 nations out there playing football, but only one of them plays three downs. So they were a little hesitant to uh, to look at Canada um, at something, and we said, well, we can adapt. Like the people at Como Stadium have been awesome in terms of their ability to uh, to confirm that we can indeed get an American field in here. We can do it at Clark, and uh, and we can feel this stands better than any other nation out there. So yeah. it was. 
was kind of a no-brainer. That's what I was going to say. That's going to be the biggest difference. People that come to football games here. It's going to be the the NFL field and four downs football. Right? Yeah. Well, I've seen events in the past that IFAFs run. I mean, uh, they did a senior men's in Austria a long time ago, and they were they were pulling in people good. But that's kind of more of a curiosity thing. Like I think what we're going to get here is actual football fans, people that can adapt. And you know, and 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 we we like to think of it as like football's football. I mean, we all watch the Super Bowl. We all watch the Great Cup. We know the differences. We know uh, we know the nuances of the game. We could probably tell, uh, you know, Andy Reid how to call a few plays as we all think we're football experts. So we know the game and that's going to make it a real uh, real fun thing for people to watch. And more to it than the games too, right? You Sounds like you want to create a great cup week. Well, yeah, I mean, that that's another thing we proposed to IFAF and Football Canada to begin with. I mean, like nobody's hosted better great cup festivals than the Eskimos have or the Elks. And uh, so we're in a situation where let's do it. Let's make this a mini great cup. Let's, uh, let's take advantage of the cultural aspect of this as well. Like we're not just bringing in the Montreal Alouettes. We're bringing in uh, people from Austria, Australia, Japan, um, the, the cultural community in this uh, the city. We're really going to um, ask them to try and embrace this thing because you know if you're you 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 love being a Canadian, but you also love your roots from whatever mother country you came from. You can come cheer on that team. Is it tough for you to kind of put expectations on I don't know, just say crowds because it's never been here before, and you know it's obviously it's drawn big in other countries. Uh, what kind of expectations do you have? Well, you know we like to think big, of course, but we're we're very conservative in our estimates. We we think that uh, that the uh, Canadian team, if it does well, will draw well. Uh, I won't give a specific number, but uh, we, we think that uh, that Edmontonians will embrace that. I mean, I can remember an event a long, long time ago called the Intercontinental Baseball Championships. Uh, my dad was kind of involved with it, and uh, and who knew? And the next thing you know, uh, John Ducey Park is packed to the rafters with people watching countries that they never heard of before. So, so we think that's going to be the case here, and we're hoping for a really strong turnout. This city loves events like this, it seems. They do, they do. Like, you know, uh, uh, look at the World Track and Field Championships from 2001. I mean, who goes to, to a track and field meet? A few people do, but not many. But for 10 straight nights, they had 60,000 people here watching track and field because it's an international event. And, uh, you know, last year in the dead of winter, 50,000 people come out to watch Team Canada play soccer. And uh, so that's that's what Edmonton can do. That's what we've been telling IFAF. That's what we've been telling the world. So we're excited to show Edmonton off in that respect. And tickets are on sale already? Tickets will be on sale starting tomorrow morning. That'll be Tuesday, February 13th. And, uh, yeah, you can get single-game tickets for anything you want for 1995. Get your Canada Pass for 49.95. Uh, that gets you into all Team Canada 1 games, uh, regardless of where they go. And then, finally, if you want a tournament pass, if, you want, if you're a real football junkie, for 99.95, uh, you can get one. And we've only limited that to 3,000 seats because of the capacity of Clark Stadium. That's a pretty good deal, though. 100 bucks for the whole tournament. 100 bucks for the tournament. I mean, the games are staggered, so you won't be able to see every last minute. But if you want to come here for uh, the Sunday, the Saturday, or the Saturday or the Wednesday, and just flip back and forth between games, that's that's your business, and we can make it happen for you. Tell me, I want to go back to the field a little bit and the dimensions. How tough a process is that going to be to flip things around? I think the Elks are on a bye week that week, so you, you've got a little extra time. Tell me about the process. Who's going to do it? Who's going to kind of oversee it? All? Well, again, before we even put the bid in, we had meetings with the people at Commonwealth, and uh, they they can do they can turn over a field fairly quickly. I mean, when FC Edmonton was playing at Clark Stadium, the field was uh, was was had a permanent soccer line, but we also had to intermix in high school football. So every week they'd be out there painting. It could get it done in a couple hours. Uh, the American football dimensions are just a matter of cleaning off the one lines and putting on the other lines. The one adaptation, the only major adaptation that has to take place in the stadium is one goalpost has to be moved 10 yards. 
So, well, you know, it's, yeah. it, it can be done. They've they've had we they had uh, um, an international rugby game in here a while ago. Same thing. They had to drill different holes and stuff. And I think it gives you the capacity that if they ever wanted to host something that was four downs in the future, that they'll have the sleeve to do that. Good. All right. All right, that is Morley Scott with uh, uh, the executive director of football, Alberta, Tim Anger. So we're planting that in your mind a little early, but they're you know they're already talking about it, and uh, that's a big deal. I mean, it's basically the uh, World Junior Tournament, but for football. And as I was telling you, Canada has done quite well in that event. Okay, so here's what I can tell you: tomorrow, Oilers now at four. Face-off show at 5.30, and then the Oilers and the Red Wings will get going at 7 o'clock at Rogers Place. Again, it looks like Sam Gagne will hop back into the lineup, and Matthias Janmark will come out as the Oilers are searching for a little bit more depth offense here as they come off a road trip in which they lost two out of three, and they only had one goal combined in the two losses. Big thanks to Dave Campbell. He's the producer of Inside Sports. Kellen Kennedy is your studio producer. My name's Reed. Thank you so much for listening.